Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Dead Man Talking. Tonight's story is from our incredible brother from another mother, Mr. Michael Lockhart. And as ever, please do let us know what you thought down below in the comments box. Please do like and share. It really does help build the channel and our community further. And why not hashtag Team Fear and DMT's Cryptid Crew. And so... With that aside, let's get into tonight's story. Entitled Mounds. Let's get straight into that. Calvin delved into the soft earth and the flower beds that he and his wife had made after they settled into their new home. Doris was at work and they had only one day off together each week and a day each of themselves while the other worked. It was a nice arrangement. The rest of the time, they were home together or both at work. As he considered how content they were, or at least how content he was, he felt a sharp sting register on his wrist. He pulled back his hand from the rich dirt, even as he felt second and third bites along the back of his hand. Ow! Nasty little. He trailed off, understanding the futility of cursing the little red insects. Fire ants possessed a nasty bite or sting, Whatever it was they did, and there was simply no escaping them. They were, after all, simply defending what they perceived to be their territory. He set aside his tools and stood to examine the ground. And sure enough, they'd begun a miniature mound town on the edge of material for the bed. Not much of it showed, but he knew that it was likely more extensive below the surface. He couldn't stop himself from scratching the welts that soon rose. He brushed at his hand and arm to remove any other attackers may have failed to detect. He used the garden hose to wash off his hand and wrist. The cool water might felt good, but it itching and burning returned immediately after it shut off the flow. The burning sensations from the stings demonstrated how the creatures had earned the fire part of their moniker. He retrieved the bag of what was advertised as Mound Killer from the garden shed and spread a liberal amount on the mound. He followed the instructions and watered in the grains of the substance with a sprinkle from the hose. 
Got more fire ants? The loud ejaculation caused his heart to leap into his throat for a moment. His neighbor, Tanner James. No relation to Jesse, the elderly man stated upon each introduction or mention of his last name, stood just behind him. You know, as long as you are careful, you can use diesel fuel for the same purpose. Nobody will complain, since nobody pays much attention. We ain't exactly a high-dollar district where people get nosy. Set them homos with the HOA. He cackled, as though he'd spoken some great and humorous wisdom. Calvin shrugged internally. Guess he has to entertain himself with his wife parts in front of the TV all day. Never mind who he offends. Well, Tanner, I had this stuff, and I think it may work. I noticed that you have several dead mounds around your yard. I wonder why the bare dirt was tinted that bluish color. That from the diesel? Tanner grinned, yellow teeth glistening in the morning sun. It was already getting hot that day. It is. When you get tired of spending all that moolah on fancy store-bought stuff, just get you a yellow can and drown them in an oily fuel. Dead mounds leave bare spots no matter what. So what if they turn a little blue? I've been noticing lots of mounds this year. Wet spring. Looks like it's a hot summer already. Bad combo when it comes to fire ants. Skitters, too. Bugs like things wet, then hot. He let his sentence hang for a moment. Apparently, Sir Calvin could cringe. Just like an old gal. He cackled more loudly than ever, clapped Calvin on the shoulder, and then returned to his own yard. I really need to install that fence. Calvin groused quietly. His small wounds still burned. He checked them again. The inflamed wounds had already sprouted little white pustules on their crowns. He knew that if he popped them, they might become sores. Yet if he didn't, they would definitely become sores, despite the medical advice he'd found online of the previous stings. Yeah, definitely stings. He recalled a latch arm with a bite, and then inject venom. Bastards. Well, he decided that he'd done enough for the day and went inside. He would check on the mound after lunch to make sure no creepy crawlers had escaped his wrath. I'm sorry you got boo-boos, honey boy. Doris kissed her husband's hand and wrist near the ant bites, not on them. She shivered internally. And it just went for you because you're so sweet. We can work on the plant bed tomorrow, if you want. Maybe we could just go do some shopping. Let's see how we feel. Calvin smiled. Thank you for the healing kisses. I know the bites are gross. They eventually turn into sores. Maybe. Well, you never know. Oh, by the way, it's sugar ants that go for sweets. These red monsters, well, they go for flesh. And he paused for a moment, hoping he hadn't spoiled her unusually ubalent mood. Then, just to ensure he avoided a whiplash from her emotional roller coaster, he agreed with her. Yeah, shopping tomorrow. Then, if we feel like it, and the weather stays nice, some outside work. I checked, and the Mount Killer stuff did the trick. Nothing left but the little white pellets. The eggs. He rolled his eyes. Tanner suggested using diesel fuel to kill them. Not sure how that man is still alive. Why he's so sloppy about things. Sometimes a little dangerous. Doris snorted. <laughs> Got me. I just hope he doesn't burn down the neighborhood. If his old house and all the junk in his yard caught fire, the entire block would burn to cinder. 
Tanner? Esmeralda screeched from her recliner. Bring me a cold drink when you get done in the kitchen. Tanner shuffled into the living room and set a cold can of soda water on the tray next to his wife of 33 years. He knew that she shouldn't drink so much of the sugary substance, but hearing her whine and gripe was worse than watching her feet swell from the diabetes. She glared up at him as he passed. What? You're not even going to put it in a glass with some ice? Tanner sighed and shuffled back into the kitchen. As he awaited the chipped ice to spray from the dispenser, he felt a stinging sensation on his bare foot. He looked down and saw a dark little figure scrunched in effort on top of his foot. He grunted and used his other foot to partially crush the assailant and dispose of it at the same time. He let go and fell to the floor to twitch and attempt to stand and walk on its remaining limbs. <sighs> Must have carried that one in from when I was in the yard, he mumbled. He carried a glass back into the living room and set it beside the soft drink can. He ignored Essie's continued glare. It may have derived from her failing sight as much as from one of her vile moods, at the loss of her physical abilities. So, we're watching the same old. He again dodged the glare, but not the seething tone in her voice. Yeah, you know I like to find out what's happening on my shows. These are about real people, you know. This is the big finale episode. We find out who the father is and who Brittany is going to marry. Oh, I like that tall, handsome guy. Da Tanner interrupted with a yelp and instinctively slapped at his leg. He rubbed a spot through his pants and then slapped at it again in a slightly different spot. What's the matter, Tan? The tone and demeanor shifted, though she continued to stare ahead at the screen rather than look to see the problem for herself. He grumbled in low tones for a moment, as if asking himself the same question. He came to a conclusion. I think I got ants in my pants. He continued to slap and scratch, and then stood and scrabbled at the backside of his britches. Essie smirked, her mood finally lightening. He got ants in your pants on the other side of France, when a man drink beer and the women show their... Ah, shut it, will you? Her husband barked. This really hurts. I gotta get him off me. Well, he scurried into the bathroom and pulled off his trousers. He spotted at several figures that crawled over his exposed skin in attempts to find new territory to assail. And even as he battered and scrubbed at his bare flesh with one hand, he fumbled with the controls to get the water flowing in the tub. He paused to allow the warm water to reach the faucet, and then pulled the activator for the shower. He nearly broke off the little knob when what felt like a particularly large specimen of anthood chumped him in a very sensitive place. He grunted and caught himself before he slapped the... those. He dropped his drawers and retrieved a squirming little monstrosity from the left side bulge in his scrotum. Gotcha! The ant was actually no bigger than his fellows. It had merely gotten in a bite slash sting in a delicate set of nerves. He rubbed his fingers together to crush the diminutive pervert. That didn't always work. Fire ants were tough to kill, absent of a poisonous substance, but he ensured that this one's carapace crumbled. He snapped his fingers towards the toilet. I know you little turds can swim, but not when you're crushed and flushed. He followed the words with action, and soon his nemesis was swelling towards the septic system. By then, he'd received a few more bites slash stings, too close to the sensitive areas. He plunged himself into the shower and began to scrub vigorously. 
It continued until long after all the petite soldiers were washed into the drain. It kept the water running to ensure that they did not climb back up on inside of the pipe, and because he received so little respite from the stings, it felt for all the world as though the bites he'd already had were fresh and continuing. Eventually, his fingers pruned, he shut off the water, and rummaged for a clean towel. And out of curiosity, he counted the stings. Eighteen. Wow, a new personal record. Calvin opened his shed and then picked up the extra-large bag of Mount Killer to deposit inside. He flicked a light switch so he could see what he was doing in the dim interior. Nothing happened. Naturally, he flicked it several more times. Nothing continued to happen. Great. He rolled his eyes, and then set the heavy bag on the floor and went to check the breaker. The breaker indicated that there was power flowing to the structure. He flipped it off and back on anyway. He returned to the shed and found that the switch still did not produce light as he had wished. Light bulb! He exclaimed and snapped his fingers. He returned to the house and rummaged a fresh light bulb, one of the old incandescent types. He remembered to take along his little emergency flashlight so that he could see and avoid stumbling over items on the floor of the shed. On the way back, he felt several odd little bites on his ankles and lower legs. And as he reached the doorway to the shed, the stings began. Tiny, scarlet warriors injected toxin, alkaloid venom, solenopsin. He'd found the name on a search engine. He quickly set down the items in his hands and began to brush and scrub at the irritated wounds under his work pants, and in low socks he liked to wear with his light shoes this time of year. He eventually put a stop to each of the fiery, itching spots, at least a stop to the injections. The burning sensations continued. He picked up his items and quickly entered the structure and switched out the light bulbs. He returned to the doorway and once again flicked the switch. White stubbornly refused to activate his light. He cursed as he felt a fresh round of wounds inflicted on his feet and ankles. He shined the little flashlight towards the floor, and it was swarming with fire ants. He allowed the beam to roll around the interior and spied large groups of the insects gathered on every surface near the ground and climbing upwards on others, even the fresh bag of mound killer that lay near his feet. As the fresh pain from the renewed, constant stinging drove him from the space, he noted that the exposed wiring in the unfinished building had been chewed to pieces in several places. He had read about that as well, but had forgotten that they liked to chew on electrical wires. But by the time he got the last of his attackers to stop, to flee, or to die, he was in agony. His legs, from the knees down to his toes, were covered in welts. Darius put some calamine lotion on the biting sting marks, but it did little to relieve his misery. His wife looked up towards his face, a worried expression on her own. Babe, you've got over thirty bites or whatever, just around your left ankle. She grasped his right foot and rotated it in an uncomfortable angle as she searched for more welts and pimples. Only twenty-five or so on the right ankle. But that's a lot. Lots of others on your legs. And Calvin nodded. I know. I don't feel so good. He felt the sinking sensation in his esophagus and the heavy fill at the base of his throat that indicated that he would vomit. He extracted himself from his wife's rough examination and made it to the bathroom. Doris didn't go in after him, 
They'd established early in their marriage that she didn't do puking. When he was done, he washed his face and found that he was sweating profusely and was short of breath. How many stings would it take to cause a serious reaction? He asked himself. He managed to stumble back to the couch and sprawl before he lost consciousness. He never heard the siren for an ambulance Doris had decided to summon, nor felt the sensations of the ride to the emergency room. I sure hope Calvin will be okay soon. Mrs. Butterfield patted on Doris's arm. She was a nice elderly lady who lived across the street and one over from Calvin and Doris, with her daughter and two teen grandchildren. Her daughter was away on a short stretch at the county jail. Routine misdemeanors, no commonly charged felonies. Poor thing will be a great-grandmother soon, Doris thought. The way that granddaughter sluts around, just like her mother. Aloud, she gave the standard appropriate response. Ah, they're just keeping him a day or two because he got short of breath. I scheduled an exterminator to come over this afternoon. That backyard has too many fire ants for just mound killer pellets. Well, the elderly lady nodded. Yes, they are worse than I've ever seen them. Kyle picked up several stings just the other day. Nasty welts. Now, I have no excuses left to get him outdoors and away from those video games for even a little while. She glanced at the sky. That exterminator may have to wait a day or two. Looks like rain soon. The exterminator beat the rain. He informed Doris that as long as he beat the rain by half an hour, the treatments would wipe out all of their mounds. He looked woefully around the yard. Once he had completed the treatment, he lifted his cap and scratched at his balding scalp. That's a shame we can't tolerate fire ants. They've ferociously consumed populations of fleas, ticks, termites, cockroaches, cinch bugs, mosquito eggs and larva, scorpions, all kinds of other pesky insects. If they didn't have that sting, that'd be quite useful. Then again, they wouldn't be able to kill and eat those other bugs without the venom. Besides, some people claim they are an invasive species. I think they are just migrating. Looking for greener pastures. Uh, thank you, sir. Doris used the pause in a man's otherwise non-stop lecture on fire ants to complete their transaction and get him on his way. And she heard from the doctor that Calvin would be home in the morning. And when the first fat, cold drops of rain fell, she decided that it wouldn't be a good idea to drive all the way to the hospital tonight for a visit, and he would keep until the morning, and she wanted the rest. The exterminator's treatment had nearly an hour to work before the serious rain arrived. The deluge that followed washed ants and poison alike around the yard and out into the drains in adjacent properties, and it was a good night to stay indoors. Chanel spread out her towel in the backyard of her grandmother's home. The grass was already looking a little sere and brown, but she couldn't get to the beach any time soon with the summer school occupying the first weeks of summer break. I wouldn't do that if I was you. The younger brother Carl warned in his most ominous tone. I got stung like all over the other day. Made me kind of sick. Chanel wanted to ignore the little pest, but knew that he would continue his admonitions until she put a firm stop to it. Learning disabled. He's just like a dumbass. 
It makes me kind of sick. She glared and sent the nasty thoughts in his direction. To no avail, he continued to stand and stare from the open sliding glass door. Mouth agape and shoulders slumped. I don't like plan on digging under the junk in a yard like you. Besides, I already checked. Nothing under my beach towel but like dirt and yellow grass. Now go back inside and play with your stupid games. Kyle blinked several times, then shoveled back towards his room and his computer. He was soon lost to the boring real world, his artificial sound effects blasted through his headphones. Meanwhile, his sister stretched luxuriously on her anterior, soaking up the warm rays of Sol Invictus, while her mind wandered over the wasteland that was her adolescent life with Grandma. Ugh, internal eye As She drifted into a light dose, dreams of escape to a more urban environment and a freer existence. Her dreamscape was eluded slightly, altered images of videos she'd watched, while beat music thrummed in the background of her senses. A heavy bass thump added a thrilling sense of danger. The swaying dancers who sported suggestive clothing and waved firearms menacingly added to the joy. Fire sprang from nearby trash cans, mere set pieces to give the video slash dream interest in lighting effects. The flames leapt into the air at first, and then started to trail along the ground, and engulf her legs and buttocks, then her lower back. She turned and thrashed, and they licked up her body, along her stomach and to her breasts. The spark landed, and she sat up in distress. When she rose, she expected the sensations to cease, yet they remained all too real. She brushed at herself and looked in horror to witness what appeared to be hundreds of dark little figures, each with a hint of red in its colouring, and all swarming all over her body, front and back with no regard for her personal privacy. Each one stung at least twice, several of them more times. She now screeched and ran into the house yelling for help. Then she ran past her brother's room, where he perched, oblivious to all, but the game in which was currently engaged. The one that, to him, seemed so much more interesting than mere life experiences. She ran to her grandmother's room. Ah! Ah! She ain't here! The girl wailed and then bolted for Grandma Butterfull's bathroom, all the while scratching and batting at her envenomed flesh. She plopped into the tub, and fire ants merely floated away from her and attached themselves to the nearest fellows and eventually to the first available surface. Then from there to clamber on from the expanse of the tub and out into the house. Tanner flipped and flopped in his bed. He was running a fever. His dreams turned immediately to nightmares. The heat and flames he felt emanated from within rather than from attacks by external forces. Just as the searing agony reached a crescendo, the heat was doused and he plunged into an icy chill that shocked his dream self so profoundly that it awakened him. His last thoughts in the dream state were that his screams seemed higher pitched than they should have been, and came from a distance. Essie stared blankly at the TV screen before her. All original thoughts banished in place of the drivel that spewed forth from her shows. Tanner? She barked out and received no response. Lazy ass, she grumbled. Tanner, bring me a drink. My legs are swollen and 
I can't walk. Her legs were indeed swollen. The combination of illnesses that had begun with diabetes had progressed due to her stubborn refusal to adjust her lifestyle and eating habits. Her mood had typically soured as her blood sugar rose, and now her lazy husband was ignoring her and had gone to bed early. Ouch! She felt a burning sting on her cankle. It wasn't as bad as the neurotherapy sensations, but it was bad enough. She hadn't been outside for a couple of years, so she had forgotten what an insect sting felt like. She was quickly reminded as she experienced a series of them along both legs. She yelped and cursed and slapped at her thick, cellulitic gorge legs. And in her distress, she switched on the lamp on the little table beside her. And her remaining instincts were to view her attackers to determine whether there was a way to thwart their advance, to stop the pain. She immediately noticed that a rug that covered the worn spot in the carpet at the foot of her recliner seemed to shift. Its pattern of multicolored concentric rings blurred with the movement of hundreds, maybe thousands, of carapace-covered forms. They seethed and writhed and crawled relentlessly towards her. Her pulse raced shallowly within her massive frame. She breathed rapidly but weakly. The pace and strength of her lungs matched to that of her heart. She finally managed a scream of agony and terror. She was trapped in her recliner. She normally remained esconded on her queenly throne voluntarily and could neither rise on her own nor walk more than necessary to make it to the bathroom and back. Now she could not even manage to get the chair to lean forward, to get the footrest to lower. Her already flaccid and entropied muscles could not get the blood and oxygen necessary to function, and the rest of her body grew as weak as her pulse and breathing. On the fire ants marched, onto the yellowish nagerhide of the big chair, and from there onto her copious flesh. Her screams grew weaker and had all but ceased by the time Tanner stumbled into the room to check on his bride. Hezzy! He heard himself rasp. His throat was scratchy and swollen, and his eyes puffed. He clung to the open frame of the passage between the back rooms of the house and the living room. It was an older design, what he referred to as an ant farm warren of rooms, closets, and hallway passages. He switched on the living room light, and it flickered a little, having been rarely used for some time. Essie preferred her lamp. The floor was covered with fire ants. They slivered and thumped along from several openings in the floor near the base of the recliner. They swarmed over the form of his wife. Her features twisted into a grim expression that spoke of a fist clenching around her formerly beaten heart. And he couldn't help her, so he stumbled towards the back door. Maybe one of the neighbors could help him. Kyle? The name elicited no reaction, but the firm grip on his shoulder startled a young teen to adrenaline-fueled bloodness. It was his grandmother. Well, he slumped, heart still thumping, and senses heightened. Kyle, where's your sister? I want to talk to the two of you. Kyle glared for an instant, all that he dared, when he faced his sweet but indomitable grandmother, and then shrugged. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. 
No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dunno, Grandma. Oh, I haven't seen her for a while. She was out in the backyard, laying on a towel. Mrs. Bottlefield walked to the back sliding glass doors and peered into the yard. One door was left open, allowing a climate control and a house to strive to air condition the entire outdoors. There was a big beach towel wadded and discarded on the back lawn, but no sign of Chanel. She shook her head and tottered down the hallway to see if the girl was in her room. The door was unlocked for a change, and so she unceremoniously opened it to catch the girl in whatever nefarious act she was unsurely completing. The room? Well, it was empty. She proceeded to the master bedroom, hers, internally threatening the little beast if she'd gotten into her grandmother's personal items. Still, no signs of the brat. Then she saw that the carpet that separated the bedroom from the tiled floor of the bathroom was wet. And through the partially open door, she could tell that water coated the interior floor. Chanel, what are you doing in my bathroom? She snapped. She drew closer and finally dared to look inside. Her granddaughter bobbed in the warm water as it slopped over the side of the tub. In the pool, several flotillas of fire ants had banded together to form their own naval assault force. Many had reached the carpeted area and had marched beyond the seeping fluid. She felt several stings on her ankles as she shut off the faucet and felt that the girl stretched in the tub. The water was still warm, but the girl was not. Weird, Calvin exclaimed. As Doris drove him towards their home, lots of neighbours out and about. You think they're here to greet me? He gave a wan smile at Doris, and she rolled her eyes at his attempted humour. Probably not. The next-door neighbours and the ones across from us were still quiet when I left to get you. She craned her neck as though she would be able to see more through the windshield than it commonly allowed. Hey, that's an ambulance in front of Mrs. Butterfield's place. I was just talking with her yesterday. I see her and her grandson. I don't see many ho, probably out walking the streets or in juvie next to her mummy dearest. And Calvin snorted lightly. Huh, <laughs> come on, babe, that ain't nice. Girl is just a teenager. Well, it was an old discussion. Doris was convinced that Chanel was headed for a life of promiscuity and possibly the sex trade, interspersed with visits to the county jail or even state prison. Perhaps some drugs. A downward spiral. Calvin thought that a girl's acting out behavior was a phase brought on when her father deserted her family and her mother proved to be more in love with her addictions than her kids. Yet he could see that something worse than abandonment or imprisonment had clearly occurred. Well, it looks like they're pretty shaken. Mrs. Butterfield looks terrible. The boy never did look right. 
never gets outside, but, but now? He trailed off impotently, appalled at the expressions and demeanour of his neighbours on the worst day in their lives so far. Doris managed to squeeze past several vehicles and pedestrians and wedged her car into the driveway, sputtering explanatives the entire time and wishing hate and destruction on the drivers who blocked the street and driveway. Too many people here, she informed her husband, who had observed the same without her assistance. Police? Look, those two have cameras. Oh, there's a ton of media trucks down the street. She turned off the engine and exited the car in a rush to go over and find out what had happened. Calvin slowly unfastened his safety belt. He shook his head and muttered, Oh, hey, don't worry, babe. I just got out of the hospital. Almost died, but hey, I'll manage. So glad you care more about me than I do gossip. He caught up to his dearly beloved spouse as Mrs. Butterfield clutched at her. Oh, Doris, my Chanel, she's... she's gone. The older woman sobbed. Calvin shook his head again. He wasn't that surprised about a death. Stuff happened. He was more shocked that Mrs. Butterfield had looked to Doris as a potential source of support. He knew his better half was as cold and uncaring as one of the ant queens in the mounds, where Chanel was concerned. She projected a caring image to others, though, and may have actually liked Mrs. Butterfield as much as she did anyone. Kyle simply stared at the pavement beneath his feet and tried to hide that he had his phone out, chatting with his buddies. He'd had to log out of his desktop before he could let his friends online know what had happened. Now he was getting return messages, most doubting the veracity of his tale of sudden non-pixelated fantasy death. Calvin looked all around for a particular figure. Hey, where's Tano? He has to be eating this up. He asked a question to the ether, rather than anyone in particular. However, another neighbour responded. I ain't seen the old man all day. I think maybe he or his old lady is sick. Calvin couldn't recall the man's first name. His last was Diaz, or maybe Carlos, or Charles, or Charlie, or whatever. He nodded in acknowledgement that the man had heard, and attempted to answer his inquiry. Ah, I'm going to go check on them. He, for no reason in particular, informed his neighbour. Mr. Diaz nodded, and made to go with them. They soon found themselves ringing the doorbell, and knocking for James. There was no answer, and so Calvin went around to try and peek inside a window or the back glass door. The interior of the home was dark and there seemed to be no power at all. It possessed a dead feel and were no hum of life or light. He made his way around to the back door and felt his gorge rise at the sight that awaited him. Tanner was sprawled on the back patio. His body swarmed with an impossible number of crawling, biting, stinging insects. He knew there was nothing he could do but summon an EMS crew. And after he was done heaving up the nice breakfast of hospital food, he shakily made his way back towards the front of the home. And Diaz greeted him halfway. Man, you don't look so pretty good. What? And Calvin interrupted him. Tanner's... Tanner's dead. Fire answer. All over him. His corpse. I couldn't get close. It gotta tell EMS. Diaz was a quick study and nodded. He helped Calvin along and they soon had official assistance. Calvin wondered vacantly what the police officers who escorted the EMS workers were supposed to do about the enormous swarm of ants. 
not like they could shoot or tase them. Handcuffs and buttons would definitely be useless. Even animal control would have to pass on this one. Nets and cages were insufficient to hold the tiny terror posed by the fire ant colonies. Turn on the water, he heard someone call in the backyard. We have to hose them off so we can get to him. Somebody go around front and check on his wife. Presently, an officer and a medic rounded a far corner of the house and approached the front door. Neither Calvin nor Diaz had tried to open the door. They were good enough neighbors that they wouldn't have been so intrusive. And besides, they each privately suspected that Tanner had guns in the house and would shoot anyone he perceived as an intruder before he asked any questions. And the door was unlocked, and the officer entered first. She took a few steps and then bolted back over the threshold. She's in there, but the whole place is crawling, filled with ants. Oh, we need some help. I'll get animal control. Maybe the fire department with the big hoses. And she began to slap at her lower legs, clearly distressed. I can't believe it. We lost three neighbors in one day. Hearts and bugs. Calvin sat at the kitchen table with his head in his hands. Doris hovered about, making lunch as they reviewed the events of the day. It was past nightfall, and their bodies had last been carted away from the area. It took the exterminators all afternoon to kill enough of those fire ants so the first responders could get to the bodies. He shuddered at the memory of the ravaged carcasses that had been his neighbor Tanner. Good thing they had enough of those biohazard suits to go around. I doubt anybody could withstand the stink of that poison. Who knows what they've been breathing? And Doris dourly dismissed his concerns for the police, fire, and EMS personnel. What about what we're breathing? I can smell that junk even now. I don't know if it's in my sinuses or really here in the house. Either way, it gives me a headache. I think we should sue somebody. Calvin ensure that she did not observe him as he shook his head. Don't know who to sue. The city? Homeowners Association? Or maybe the people that hired the exterminator? Or the exterminator? Or the chemical company? Or the fire ants? Doris slammed her hands onto the table and mercilessly jarred the headache Calvin already sported. I don't care, she stated emphatically. I want some money out of somebody. They put us through... All of this, they need to pay. Calvin knew he couldn't apply reason to the discussion. The pronouns are just attacked under the leadership of the ominous general, they. Maybe we can talk to a lawyer. This stuff has been in the news all evening. Maybe some ambulance chaser will contact us. On that note, he rose and made his way to the limb room to catch the latest updates on the TV. He knew that Mrs. Butterfield was staying at a hotel. The James family had been notified of the tragedy that had befallen their elder relatives, and people who lived in a Blaze Hill Villas subdivision knew what had happened. They had been plagued by the invasive species for a long time, and this year had promised to be the worst ever. Calvin wondered whether the reporters had gotten the cause of death statements from the medical examiner. Surely someone would have blabbed, when the report finally queued 
he turned up the volume. While officials have not yet released the cause of death in the Blaze Hills Villas, fatality incidents, our correspondents have managed to contact some of the residents who have theories of their own. Yenny Sanchez Diaz Yeah, like, my husband, he was there at one of them places. He said that there was, like, ants all over the place, like, like fire ants. Oh, they couldn't get close. Then they brought in them exterminators. Looked like something off that alien hunter show. Don't know what killed them. They're like, people? I think that the ants were just, like, eating the bodies. It was, like, nasty. Like. And there you have it. This person's partner had a first-hand look at the scene. We expect that there will be a further press release in the morning once the scene has been cleared for investigators. The reports moved on to larger tragic events in the world at large, and Calvin sighed. <sighs> Guess that sums up the lives of three human be- His mumble was interrupted by the tones of an incoming call. When he dug out his device, after several swipes, got a thing to answer. Hello, this is Calvin. The voice on the other end proved to be that of another neighbour, the one who lived up the next street near the apex of Blaze Hill Villas. Ah, Calvin, my friend. This is Namala Harik of the HOA. We are convening on a special meeting of the HOA members to address the tragedies from earlier today. We are concerned that there is some sort of toxin or perhaps a human-caused danger to our residents. We would like you and your significant other to come. It will be at my place. We have enough room around the pool to accommodate the ones who will show. Now Calvin knew that Namala had called him because he regularly attended the meetings. Most of the neighbours ignored them. Doris had never been near one. Uh, of course. What day and time? He collected the necessary details and carried a message to the general. Uh, Doris. And to his shock and dismay, she agreed to come along. She wanted to give the HOA board a piece of her mind, and Calvin only hoped that she wouldn't drop it on them from a great height. Somebody might be crushed. So, we have agreed in principle to arrange a mass extermination program in the entire subdivision, and will take bids for a contractor. Yes? Harik was always one to be sure, especially when a meeting was attended by a large and interested audience. There was a general buzz of what sounded like affirmations and a few raised voices that spoke of action, and he felt pleased that his initial and only reasonable suggestion met with general approval. He had nothing else to offer in any case. By the end of the next working week, every employee in a locally owned six-leg solutions was hard at work, searching for and destroying ant mounds of every kind in the Blaze Hill Villas compound. At noon, Mr. Kara, the owner, approached Namala and the other officers of the HOA and smiled ingraciously. I'm afraid we've run short of a solution. There are more mouths than we anticipated. We have more on our order and, well, frankly, shipping was slower than we expected. I'm going back to the office shortly and will do everything in my ability to rush the shipment. I'll explain that it's an emergency. And Amala Harik assumed an offended expression. But you have promised to end this problem today. We have a contract. Kara nodded. Yes, please, but this infestation is on a far grander scale than anything we've ever encountered. I've been doing this for over 20 years. 
I have never found so many nests. No company would have enough poison on hand to address such a large-scale challenge. I promise we will get the job done, even if we have to postpone our contracts. Maharik was still unsatisfied. He had a crisis on his hands, and he wanted to maintain his position as president of the HOA. He had the biggest house and the most money, and he lived highest on the hill, and he felt that he should have the position based on those virtues alone. Yet, in this absurd place, people insisted on elections, and so he would have to please them for a time. I suppose we will have to wait for you to get your solution, he spat, and then brushed his hands together to wash away the conflict. You should not have taken on the contracts when you knew you were short. For now, continue, but we will wish to know by mid-morning tomorrow whether you have enough product to complete your task. If not, we will hire a better company. Kara nodded. Well, fair enough, but I warn you, my first idea was to ask around to borrow from one of the other companies. No one had any. Every exterminator in this city is working overtime. We may be all that's available. Even while Mr. Kara explained the deficiencies in his company, one of his exterminator team members was still at work and with her last bit of solution. She was in Calvin and Doris's backyard, near the flower beds. And they were both at work, but everyone had signed permission forms to allow the exterminators to enter their property to destroy the insectoid scourge. Siobhan had planned her route carefully so that she could get near the houses where the two old folks and a teen girl had died. She fancied herself as a crime scene investigator, maybe a lab technician, and thought she would be able to solve the investigation if she could get close enough. The other yards were surrounded by crime scene tape and signs that included dire warnings for anyone who trespassed on the scene without official authorization. As she worked her way along the flower bed, Sliding her way towards the Jane's property line, she felt the ground grow spongy. The crust of the bare dirt gave way several times and she nearly stumbled. Yet, she was intent on catching a good, lurid view of the other yard. She felt her leg plunge into a deep hole, like one left by a rotted tree. Her other leg wrenched painfully for a moment before it descended to follow the first. Siobhan quickly found herself trapped up to her ample waist and then the bites and stings of the aggravated defenders of the mound set her to screaming. There were tens of thousands of them on her in moments. She screamed and called for help in an increasingly attenuated voice, finally trailing off into a, Oh lordy! Oh lordy! Oh lordy! And as Siobhan's pleas went unanswered in the mortal realm, Leroy Dabka paced his yard, mumbling to himself and occasionally cursing the exterminators for failing to reach his property before their noon break. He was unaware that the break would be longer than a lunch hour and assumed that they would make their way up to his home sometime that afternoon. He was high on the hill with the other folks who could afford pools. He had expected to have his property addressed soonest. He rarely entered a grassy knoll that rose beyond his pool area and marked the high point of Blaze Hill. He had noted the browning of the grass, but chalked it up to a looming drought. Such things did not normally concern him. 
that it meant a depreciation in the value of its home. Lazy, low priority. This grousing matched his pacing exactly, in the odd parody of a song and dance. And on the last chorus, he extended a routine by a few paces and found himself knee-deep in a quagmire near his pool. He hadn't recognized that the ground was wet in that place, clear from some minor leak that had time to build a subterranean quicksand pit, and he had no way to know that the ground had been further weakened by a multitude of tiny tunnels, food storage, and egg cradle holes. His curses and calls for damnation on every personage he could recall resounded through the green space and echoed out across the water that was rarely disturbed by an actual swimmer. He clawed his way from the muck and mire as he felt the stings begin. He knew that he was under some form of assault by thousands of stingers. Somewhere in his subconscious, he recalled that if a swarm of bees attacked, one should plunge into any available body of water. The sensations were definitely stings, and so he crawled and then stumbled the last few paces to the water and plunged into the sparkling light blue relief. And it worked for a moment. The waters were cool and soothing. Then the stings resumed. He surfaced and swam towards the deep end. He wore only shorts and a golf shirt. His sandals were still somewhere in the mud, being attacked by minuscule pincers and envenomed stingers. He reached the deepest parts of the pool and dove. He stayed down longer than he had ever done previously and swatted at every hint of movement on his flesh. Many of the wee warriors fled and floated to the surface. Leroy soon joined them. He sputtered and heaved in great breaths. He looked around in hope that the swarm would have dissipated, or the individual members of it had drowned. And instead, there was a carpet of small red bodies on the water. They clung to one another and floated, a coast guard for the colony. And they soon sank the battleship Debka. By late afternoon, virtually everyone in the Blaze Hill Villas neighbourhood was gathered in Namala Harik's pool area. Please, please, the exterminator cordon said they have received more solution and will return shortly. They are taking care of the problem. We must remain calm. It was the wrong thing to say to people who were afraid and working themselves up into a frenzy of anger that would supplant the embarrassing feelings of fear that had brought them together for this hot afternoon. Doris, ever a firebrand, when it suited her mood, gave voice, a loud voice, to what was on most minds. What is happening? We've had people disappear. We've had people stung and put in hospital. Why is this happening? What are you doing about it? What's in the poison? Calvin hunkered beside his wife, who now stood in front of one of the few available chairs, he watched the faces around him as they flushed or darkened with rising ire. He looked further back to the fringes of the crowd. Even the people along the fence at the rear of the gathering seemed to frown with anger. They milled and shouts arose. It soon registered that they were not shouts of fury, but of terror and pain. Calvin stretched to his best height and then gave up and clambered onto the chair. Doris gave him a scorching look at the feel of his hand on her shoulder when he placed it there to steady himself. What are you... Why are you interrupting? 
when it finally dawned on her that something was wrong. She changed her line of questioning. Slightly. What are you doing? What's going on back there? Calvin didn't answer. He stood stock still and watched in dread, as rows and then waves of his neighbours disappeared from view. The collapse picked up pace, and he soon found himself plunged into darkness. The falling sensation had been brief, and his momentum was arrested somewhat by the dirt that fell with him. He felt a crushing weight on his abdomen and found it hard to breathe. The weight turned to a sharp thrust from Doris's elbow as she tried to use him for support so that she could rise. Dirt still rained on and around them as the muffled screams of the dying penetrated to their space in the new Blaze Hill Villas mound. Wow, 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 wow. Suddenly another one. Wow. Skin crawling and wholly refreshing. Incredible story there from our good friend, Mr. Michael Lockhart. As ever, Michael, a huge thank you for your patience and support and input on this channel. We've got quite the collection to get through, and I'll do my best to get the others out as soon as possible. But as ever, I hope you enjoyed my rendition and look forward to many more adventures to come. Well, guys and girls as ever, you know the drill. Please do let us know what you thought down below in the comments box. Please do like and share. It really does help out the channel and our community further. And why not hashtag Team Fear and DMT's Cryptid Crew. If you're an aspiring writer or would just like to have a crack of things like myself, then please do get in touch with me at the contact email, which is as on screen. Contact the dead one at gmail.com. I really look forward to hearing from you. I hope you all had a fantastic week at school or work, studying, whatever it is that you do, and you're trying to stay fit and focused. But above all, guys, remember be safe, not sorry. <laughs>